Hello, hola, and konnichiwa. I am your host, Daniel Gumby Vreeland, and this is the Prelim Primer, the one and only podcast fully dedicated to the curtain jerkers. Of course, I'm talking about those fighting on the prelims of upcoming UFC fight cards. This weekend is UFC, now Felder versus Dos Anjos, which is a fun switcheroo. But of course, we won't be talking about that new main event at all on this show because it is the prelim primer. That's right, we're only breaking down the prelim portion of the card today. Now, those of you who might be wondering, why just the prelims? Why not break down the fun main card, especially now that this main event is brand new? And the answer is really simple. We know that you guys know about Paul Felder. We know you know who he is. We know you know about a lot of these main card fighters. But we want to give you the information on the guys you don't know about. And that's what we are here to do. Because let's face it, it will definitely help you if you're gambling or playing daily fantasy sports. And speaking about getting some help on gambling and daily fantasy sports, this episode is brought to you by AJ's Action Pack Sports Bets. You can visit AJ at ajsactionpacksportsbets.com. AJ is really unlike all of the other guys who offer gambling advice because he does so much more than just give you his picks every single week. Instead, he gives you the tips and know-how so that you can use that knowledge for years to come and make informed decisions that allow you to maximize your profit. You can check out all of the work he's been doing at AJ'sActionPackSportsBets.com. That link is in the show notes, and I highly suggest that you follow him on Twitter, at AJMMABetting. You won't be sorry that you did. Now, once again, in order to break down these fights, I have to be joined by a co-host and joining me this week from Bloody Elbow, Kristen King. Kristen, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me back on. I appreciate it. All right, and as you guys know, we're going to put five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Kay Hansen versus Corey McKenna. Hansen made a June debut with a triangle armbar victory over Ginu Fry. McKenna, meanwhile, beat former LFA strawweight champion Vanessa Demopoulos on the Contender Series to earn her contract in August. So this will be her UFC debut. So my question to you is, McKenna obviously looks super tough, very strong, but I also feel like kind of Kay Hansen has the strength advantage there. She's better in those types of areas that McKenna is. What does she need to do to be successful against the stronger Hansen? Yeah, you know, at first, can I just start off by saying that I absolutely hate this fight because it is 21-year-old prospect versus 21-year-old prospect at straw weight, which is a division that is in need of stars at the moment. So I don't know why we're putting them together, but I guess I get it. Um, As far as Hansen goes, uh, I'm sorry, McKenna, I agree with you on the fact that I believe that Hansen is a little bit stronger uh, when it comes to uh, the two women. And I think for McKenna, I thought that she looked good as far as her striking went as far um, on the contender series. I thought she looked awesome against Vanessa. But, I mean, realistically, I think this fight is going to go to the ground. And if it does, I expect a little bit of fireworks there just because I think that uh, McKenna is already uh, pretty top-heavy. And I think that she's going to try and bully her way against someone like Kay Hansen. But I just don't think that's going to happen. So for someone like McKenna, I mean, if she can try and stay on the feet, that'd be one avenue of winning. But I just don't see it happening in that way. I just feel like Kay Hansen overall has her beat as far as the striking goes and then as far as the grappling and wrestling goes. So for McKenna, I just feel like this fight is not really going to do her too much of a favor. I think she could have had... um, another route or another uh, another straw weight to compete against like look what they did with Kay Hansen and Jin Yu Fry I thought that was a perfect introduction for Kay Hansen but now you're putting two prospects that are somewhat similar against each other and this is more of a who's better at what by this point 
Yeah, and and I like what your point was about like she could probably get some things done in the 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 with the hands, but the problem is is like you said before, she she kind of bullies her way forward. That that's like her style, and when you bully your way forward against somebody else who doesn't budge, you wind up in the clinch a lot. And and I just don't see the clinch going well for her against somebody like Kay Hansen. Like you said, once this hits the mat, you're going to see a lot of fireworks, but I I don't think those fireworks are going to go in McKenna's favor. So it sounds like we're on the same page here taking Hanson. How do you see Hanson winning this one? Yeah, I'm going to take Hanson by second round submission. I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to take her by submission. I'll I'll give McKenna because she's so tough till the third. But I I think ultimately this is Hanson. She's going to finish this fight. Uh, And that brings us to Ashley Yoder versus Miranda Granger. Yoder, back-to-back losses to Randa Marcos and LaVija Souza, the later by decision. Miranda Granger, meanwhile, beat Hannah Goldie in her debut, but a loss to Amanda Lemos by rear naked choke last December. She's been out for about 11 months. So uh, obviously the interesting thing about Yoder here is that she's a really scrappy fighter. She's got good ground game. She's got good scrambles. But I wonder just, is that an advantage here against somebody like Granger who who has a lot of those things in her own right? Exactly. Here's the thing with this Ashley Yoder versus Miranda Granger fight. Ashley Yoder, in the weight class that she's in at the moment, uh, she's had to deal with a lot of smaller fighters. She never really had to deal with someone who is equally matched as far as, like, the tail of the tape goes. You know, I think they have similar range as far as their uh, arm length goes. And then they are also the same build. I think they are both five foot seven. So Ashley Yoder can't fight uh, the small fight at the moment. She has to fight someone who is just as big as her. And I don't know. I'm very. It's the thing about Yoder is that sometimes she shows flashes of brilliance here and there, but she doesn't seem to put it all together. And that's why she keeps coming up short with these fights. So with the Granger fight, I mean, honestly. I think it's easy to look at someone like that and say, oh, she's probably easy to submit. But that was the very first time she got submitted. So I I honestly think that Miranda Granger is probably a better version of Ashley Yoder, if that makes sense. So it's like she's fighting someone like a reflection. You know, it's just like you have to fight someone who is extremely similar to you. And it's just very difficult to figure out, well, who would get the win in that point? For me, I'd have to stick with Granger only because I think that her uh, striking is world's better than Yoder. Yoder has come long, a long way as far as her striking goes, but I don't think it's enough to match Miranda Granger at this point. So it's going to be a very interesting matchup. I think it's more so about Yoder's grappling and wrestling versus Granger's boxing, because I think her boxing is superb at this point. So yeah, this one's going to be, I, I think it's going to be fun, but you never know. It's just, it's very difficult to kind of compare both of these fighters because they're so similar. So it's just like, it's a toss up at this point. Yeah, and I think it's a good point, too, to, to mention, because you mentioned, like, you know, Granger being a, a hard person to submit and maybe not as easy to submit as it looks like because Amanda Lemos did it. Like, Amanda Lemos is submitting a lot of people. But it's also worth noting that Granger's got her own sub skills in her own right, right? Like, mm-hmm. she's got her last three wins before coming to the UFC were all by submissions and not against slouches either. She, she submitted Amy Montenegro by guillotine in just the first round. She won the title at CFFC in a 41 second submission. So like she's got her own sub skills here. I don't know how well they play against Yoder, but just like knowing, like you said, she has the advantage on the feet, knowing it could be at least, you know, closer to a stalemate on the mat. Yeah, I, I just like Granger too much in this one. How do you see her getting it done? Yeah, I'm going to pick Granger just by unanimous decision. I think that's safe enough. 
Yeah, I'm going to do the same. I, I think Yoder just too tough on the mat to get submitted here. And she's fought some killers who haven't been able to submit her. So um, I'm going to go, same thing, Granger by decision. And that's going to do it for the end of our very first round. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with round number two. And this is just a reminder that this show is brought to you by AJ's Action Pack Sports Bets. Com. That link is, of course, in the show notes for you guys. As I said at the top of the show, the awesome thing that AJ does for you is that he's not just sending you his picks every single week, but he's sending you pros and cons for each matchup, as well as thoughts on DraftKings matchups and why you can expect one guy to be owned a lot and another guy to be owned almost nothing at all. That kind of stuff is so valuable when you're trying to put together a DraftKings lineup that allows you to maximize your chance to take home that big grand prize. So I highly suggest checking out all of his work because his breakdowns are so thoughtful at AJ's Action Pack Sports Bets. And we are back with round number two. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Alex Morano versus Reese McKee. Morano's lost his three-fight win streak back in February after getting knocked out in just 27 seconds by Chaos Williams. Very upsetting to lose his run like that. McKee, meanwhile, made his UFC debut on Fight Island against Kamzat Chemaev which was just an absolutely brutal matchup for him. Um, obviously, he lost that one in quick and devastating fashion. So so my question here is that obviously McKee had trouble with the top game of Chimaev, but that, that's not the only guy he's ever had trouble with the top game of. Back in Cage Warriors, similar problems. Is Murano, as a result, just like a mean second fight for him as well? It kind of feels like, it feels like it, honestly. Like, I think that, um, Morono in the last few fights, he's looked good. He's looked well put together as far as, because when we first met Morono, uh, it was very much so a wrestling grapp- grappling heavy attack and stuff like that. But then the striking came in and he was doing so well on that. You know, he almost put Max Griffin away and a lot of people were shocked by that. So he's looked good in the last couple fights. Obviously he had that loss uh, to Chaos Williams, which is horrible because you didn't really expect that. But realistically, Morono can go exactly right back to his bread and butter, which is a wrestling and grappling heavy attack. And we know that Reese McKee has had trouble with that. Um, if you didn't know who he was before, if you didn't see some of his performances in Cage Warriors, yes, he does tend to struggle on the ground a little bit. Um, and I think that if it does go to the ground, it's certainly going to be initiated by Morono, who is probably way better in that regard. The only way that I see Reese McKee potentially winning is if he does keep it standing. Maybe he does the same uh, the same thing as Chaos Williams and tries to blitz Alex Morano. I don't know, but I feel like Morano has way more ways of winning than Reese McKee does. And I feel like you're absolutely right. This guy is so mean to this. It could be worse for a striker like Reese McKee at this point. Yeah, and, and I, I totally agree with you. I think if he tried to blitz and tried to get a knockout, that, that might be his best, best path to victory. But the bottom line is he does not look like Chaos Williams does. He does not have the muscle build. He does not have the power punching that Chaos Williams does. So like that, even that game plan seems kind of far-fetched. So I'm going to go Morano here. I think he probably finishes him in the first with some ground and pound. How about you? Yeah, I'm going to go same with you, Morano, by first round TKO. 
Alright, and that brings us to our next fight, which is Jose Alberto Quinones versus Luis Smolka. So, Quinones won in two in his last three. He got subbed by Nathaniel Woods. He won a decision over Carlos Atuain and then got knocked out by Sugar Sean O'Malley. Smolka, meanwhile, also won in two in his last three. He got subbed by Matt Danger Schnell, knocked out Ryan McDonald, and then got subbed by Casey Kenny. So, obviously, both of these guys, having fought really high-level competition as of late... Uh, they, they both seem to be at power disadvantages in all of those fights, right? Like, they seem to be the weaker of the two guys, but also maybe the faster of the two guys. How, how, could, does either of them have a power advantage here? And if so, where do you see that advantage? You know what? I would have to give the advantage probably to Quinones only because of the striking disparity. I think in the last few fights, Smoka has definitely improved in his striking, but I'm not sure it's going to be like a total issue for someone like Quinones. I mean, I think the reason why they, they paired Quinones up with Sean O'Malley is because you were probably expecting like a striker's delight at that point. And that was another one of those who is better at this than the other person. And of course, Sean O'Malley got that uh, knockout win. It was emphatic. It was awesome. Uh, as far as this fight goes, though, I feel like they're right back to square one. They want to see either a knockout or a submission in this fight. But I'd have to give the favor or the advantage to Quinones. I think if he can uh, ward off the takedowns of Luis Smolka, that'd be excellent. And then just keep fight, keep the fight standing because Smolka, as much as he's improved, it's just not enough to be evenly matched with someone like Quinones. Yeah, and I sort of agree with you there. I think Smolka's path to three there leads through the ground. And, and my biggest concern with him is, I don't know if he brings it there because he has been submitted, you know, two out of his four bouts in the UFC since he's come back, since he was released and, and returned. And as a result, like, do you want to go back to the place where you keep losing? Maybe, maybe not. But I do think that that's probably his best path to victory. So, you know, I, I'm kind of torn here because I, I, I saw the guy take down, you know, Tim Elliott. I saw the guy take down Sue Maderji like two or three times. Like he's good in that, that respect. And I actually don't think Quinones is going to sub, sub him off of his back, which is where he's been subbed the last two times. So I, I guess just then the question, and it sounds like you already have your answer, is does he go for that and is it effective? And if not, what is the result? Man, you know, I don't see I, – I, I, I'm not sure. This is the thing about this fight. I'm not sure about either man's attack at this point, but I'm, I'm positive that Quinones gets it done if he does keep it standing. Smolka can certainly shoot in and look for a takedown. The problem is, exactly like you said, does he really want to start working off his back? I think he does well against certain opponents, but I think Quinones is just way too long. He'll probably try to scramble and get right back up. So I don't know. I don't think that that's the avenue for, for Smolka at this point. If he wants to keep it standing with Quinones, then best of luck. But yeah, for me, I, I think I'd have to go Quinones. I'm going to at least give Smoke a, a, a chance here. I, I think he can survive the onslaught. I, I will give him that. So I'm just going to say Quinones by unanimous decision is, is my pick. All right, and I'm actually going to go different than you. I, I'm going to go with Smoke on this one, and I'm going to take him by decision. I, I think probably the the striking of his, it, it looks better if he does shoot a couple of takedowns. And if he scores a couple, who knows what he could possibly get done there as far as you know stealing a round or two. Um, and I think, you know, this this will probably go to decision if Smolka is to win. And that's going to do it for the end of our second round. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with round number three. All right, guys, I just wanted to give you a quick heads up about what subscribers are saying about AJ's Action Pack Sportsbets.com. Once again, that link is in the show notes. This is, comes from 
subscriber George. Subscriber George says, I've been following AJ for several months and he is ultra impressive, but honestly his winning selections and return on investment are not even the main reasons to subscribe. It's his breakdowns and understandings of matchups that is what impressed me the most. It can be hard to separate your emotions and your favorite fighters in this fight game. We're all fans after all. But AJ seems to be able to objectively break down each fight with pinpoint accuracy and not let emotions get in the way. He comes highly recommended in my book. And of course, we fully agree with George here at the Prelim Primer. He comes highly recommended in our book. And we think that you'll really enjoy him if you head on over to AJ's Action Pack Sports Bets.com. And we are back with round number three. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Randa Marcos versus Kanako Murata. Marcos, back-to-back losses to Mackenzie Dern and Amanda Rivas. Of course, there's no shame in either of those losses. Murata, meanwhile, will be making her UFC debut at 11-1. She was the 115-pound champion of Invicta. She's got uh, notable wins over Emily Ducati and Angela Magana by Von Fluchoke back in Ryzen, which is pretty sweet. Um, so my question here is that Marcos is somebody who relies on so much top game and like that seems to be her avenue to win a lot of these times and she has trouble with grapplers. This is a nightmare for her then, right? 1000%. First of all, I absolutely love this fight, but you know what this is? This is another litmus test. I mean, this is to see if Kanako Murata can back up everything that she has done thus far and meeting someone like Randa Marcos, who unfortunately kind of falls into the category of gatekeeper, but she's not terrible. She's not a bad fighter by any means, but she is just one of those staples in the division. And I think that Murata is going to have an excellent showing against someone like Randa Marcos. Like the last fight that she had, Randa Marcos, uh, it was against Mackenzie Dern. And I have to say, I was quite shocked at how easily that submission came because Randa Marcos on the ground she's very good. So I was surprised to see her get submitted so quickly. She was submitted in the first round. And of course, people people could say, oh, it's because it's Mackenzie Dern. Yes, that's absolutely true. But you would expect a veteran like Randa Marcos to know those positions and to know she's in danger. She needs to get out of it. But it didn't seem like she knew what she was doing at that point. So I was very confused by her approach at that. She cannot look the same way against someone like Murata, especially with the kind of background that she has. She's also very good on the ground. I think that if it does if it does get to the ground, which I'm pretty sure that it will, Murata would start to take advantage of exactly the kind of fighter that Randa Marcos has looked like in the last couple of fights. And if a submission does present itself, then you better believe Murata is going to go for it. Yeah, and I, I'm going to go with Murata here too. And I, I think by submission is the, the most logical way to think of her winning. If you think Marcos can survive, that that's cool. But like, I just watched her against Mackenzie Dern and while Mackenzie Dern is Mackenzie Dern, I, I you're you're 100% right on that. I did lose a little bit of uh, of hope in her submission defense in that fight, uh, and that actually brings us to our second fight, which is Geraldo De Freitas versus Tony Gravely. De Freitas one and one in the UFC. He beat Felipe Colares by decision, and then lost the split decision to Chris Gutierrez. Gravely zero and one in the UFC. He had a rear naked choke loss to Brett Johns in his debut. That was all the way back in January. So DeFreitas has always kind of intrigued me as a guy who seems to be more striking heavy, but has like a surprising good like chain wrestling game that he like throws out of nowhere. Um, The question is, though, is like, I I don't mean to keep bringing up the grappling here, but like this seems like a miserable matchup for him if you're trying to put together any chain wrestling because Gravely is a beast. Do you think DeFreitas just tries to keep it on the feet? 
think he just tries to keep it on the feet. Honestly, I, I'm expecting this fight to go to the ground as well. And I'm actually pretty excited to see how that ends up. Because like you said, he has this secret uh, chain wrestling. And, and when he does get to the ground, uh, his jujitsu just start to come out a little bit. And I'm worried about that against someone like Gravely. I mean, he seemingly has a problem with these jujitsu-based fighters. I mean, as you can see from the losses on his record, look at look at the people he's come up short against. Someone like Patrick Mix, someone like Ricky Bandejas, they have some excellent grappling skills. I think DeFreitas is in that line of, of grappling skills, especially when it's ground. I, I, I think that this is going to be a very, very fun matchup. I hope it doesn't stay on the feet, to be quite honest. I think Gravely is an absolute beast. Yes, I will give him that 100%. But I think that he can also bully his way on the ground and just keep that top control going. But I think DeFreitas is probably going to be looking for some submissions as well. So I'm, I'm at a loss for this one as well. I'm, I'm very excited to see how it unravels on the ground. But I just expect a very, very fun matchup. Absolutely. And I think you're totally right there about the fact that, you know, like the ground game is so confusing in this one because he does have submission losses. But then when you say, you know, names like Patchy Mix, like Ricky Bandeja, like Manny Bermudez, man, those are, those are good grapplers. So, uh, you know, can he just keep the top game and deal with that? Man, I, I, I'm sort of leaning towards I think he can. I, I'm going to go with Tony Gravely here by decision. Who do you got and how do you got him? I'm going to go DeFreitas by third round submission. Wow, I love the late submission. And that brings us to the big boys. Everybody loves some prelim heavyweight action. And we got Dontel Mays versus Roque Martinez. Mays, 0-2 in the UFC with losses to Surreal Ghani and Rodrigo Nazimento. Both submission losses. Martinez, meanwhile, also lost by submission in his debut, but that was to Alexander Romanov, who we no longer have any doubts in the whole world of after he forearm choked somebody out cold this past weekend. So I guess my question here is that, you know, obviously both have sort of submission defense issues. Is this just a striking match, though? Does this just stay on the feet? 100%. You know what the UFC is doing with this kind of matchmaking. This is not only is it, hey, we want you guys to get back to the knockouts that were known for, for you. But uh, if you don't win this fight, you're probably going to get cut. So this is what uh, a winner-take-all kind of thing in the heavyweight division. So this is absolutely going to stay on the feet. I don't expect it to go to the ground whatsoever. I'd be absolutely surprised if it did go to the ground. But no, this is going to be straight striking no matter what. And if it is the case, if that is the case, then I'd, I'd probably have to favor Mays. I just like him a little bit better as far as like his boxing goes. I think he's a little bit cleaner than Martinez. I think Martinez has uh, that one-punch knockout power kind of thing going for him. So he, he'd wait a little bit and just throw off maybe one strike here, two strikes here. But with someone like Mays who has, I think he, I believe he has a very good uh, background in boxing. I mean, you can put together those combinations and, and, and target Rocky Martinez wherever he goes. So, I expect Mays to pull away with this fight the longer that it goes on. Hopefully he doesn't go on that long because it is heavyweights. And heavyweight fights going past the second or third round. We really don't want that. So if I had to pick between this one, I'm going to say Mays by first round TKO. And I'm almost hesitant to say first round just because Martinez is a super tough dude. He's not really that, like, he doesn't get put away that easily, essentially. So... I'm going to say first round, but I'm very hesitant with that. All right, and I'm going to differ with you on this one, too. I'm going to take Martinez in this one, mostly because I rewatched him fight Mirko Krokop, and it brought me, like, this new appreciation for his leg kicks because he actually leg kicked the hell out of Mirko Krokop, which is kind of fun if you get a chance to go back and see that fight. Anybody who's listening, go back and see him fight in Ryzen because he's kind of fun there. 
and I, I think he's probably got a slight speed advantage on, on Maze, even though I agree with you, Maze's boxing is better. I think if he probably hits Maze's legs out, I don't see him checking any of those, and it might slow him down long enough that he can pick up the knockout in the late round. So that's what I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with Martinez, KO in the third round. And that brings us to the very end of our seventh prelim fight. We hope you guys all listening learned something today. I want to thank my co-host, Kristen King from Bloody Elbow. Kristen, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks again for having me. Can't wait to be back soon.